ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so the chapter that we've now arrived at is the chapter regarding the names and attributes of Allah. The chapter regarding the ones who deny the names and attributes of Allah. We know throughout the studies of this book so far, that when we talk about Tawheed, the monotheism of Allah, singling out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with all of that which he is deserving to be singled out with, whether it is his actions, and that is the rububiyyah, whether it is with our actions, the uluhiyyah, and whether it is with regards to the names and attributes. Because we know that our Lord has different names, various names, multiple names, and those names Allah told us about them in the Qur'an. Salam. Allah told us about those names in the Qur'an. He mentioned various different names that He has. And Allah told us about His various names in the Sunnah. The Sunnah of the Prophet wasallam. So the names of Allah, they are mentioned in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. And the principle is, to understand it very briefly, that every name of Allah, all of the names that Allah told us about Himself, all of those names, every name has an attribute that goes with it. Every name has an attribute that goes with it. Meaning, if we say, for example, that Allah is Ar-Rahman, Allah is Ar-Rahman, the merciful, the attribute that goes with that name would be the attribute of mercy. Because if Allah's name is the merciful one, Ar-Rahman, then surely it is one of his attributes that he has mercy. Because it would not make any sense to say, for example, that an individual, he is smart and clever. If I said about somebody that he is smart and clever, but he hasn't got any intelligence, he doesn't actually know how to do anything. Does that make any sense then? How are you saying that somebody is smart and clever and intelligent, but then you say, but he's not actually got any intelligence, and he hasn't actually got any smartness, when he's not really clever in anything he does, then how are you describing him as being smart and clever and intelligent? If you're going to describe somebody, for example, as being smart and clever and intelligent, then obviously that must be because that person has intelligence, smartness, astute, he's clever. He must have those types of 
abilities must have those types of descriptions and characteristics for you to call him by that name. So when we talk about the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, all of his names, every one of them has a description that goes with it, an attribute that goes with it. Because otherwise, if you deny that, you are the same as the people of innovation, the misguided ones who didn't understand the reality of Islam. They didn't understand the reality of this aqidah, this belief and creed. And so they began to say that Allah has names, but no meanings to those names, no attributes to those names. So they began to say Allah is the all-knowledgeable, but He doesn't have knowledge. And Allah is the all-hearing, but He doesn't have the attribute of hearing. How can that be? It cannot be. It is impossible. It is misguidance. So the first thing to remember from these issues regarding the names and attributes of Allah is that every name of Allah has an attribute that goes with it. With regards to the names and attributes of Allah, then there are a few basics that we need to understand and we need to comprehend in understanding the reality of this chapter. From those basics about the names and attributes of Allah, we believe that Allah has the most perfect and beautiful of names. Because Allah told us in the Qur'an, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَادْعُوهُ بِهَا That indeed Allah has the most beautiful and perfect of names, so call upon Him with those names. Call upon Allah with His various names. And as the scholars they mentioned, use the appropriate name for the type of dua that you are making. So if you are asking for mercy, then call upon Allah by the name Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. You are asking for forgiveness, then call upon Allah with the name Al-Ghafoor, Al-Ghaffar. Call upon Allah with the appropriate name for the content of the dua that you are making. So Allah has the most perfect and beautiful of names. And all of those names have descriptions. Allah is the merciful one, therefore He has mercy. Allah is the all-hearing of everything and everyone, therefore He has the attribute of hearing. Allah is the all-seeing, therefore He sees everyone. Also with regards to the names of Allah, there are certain subsections in this topic. One of those is how many names does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have? How many names does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have? So, what's the answer? 99. 99? Is it more than 99? More than 99? Why do you say 99, the ones who say 99? Why do you say... There is more, but we don't know. Obviously, 
Okay, but what leads you to the conclusion that we know of 99? <laughs> so there is a hadith in Bukhari. Hadith which says, Inna lillahi tis'atan wa tis'ina isma. Man ahsaha dakhala al-jannah. Indeed, Allah has 99 names. Whoever enumerates them, memorizes them, learns them, practices them, he will enter paradise. Does this hadith mean that Allah only has 99 names? But it says, إِنَّ لِلَّهِ تِسْعَةً وَتِسْعِينَ اسْمًا Indeed, Allah has 99 names. So does the hadith not seem to indicate that the names of Allah are just 99 and that's it? The hadith does not indicate restriction. So this is something which needs to be understood. Because many people in their aqidah, they believe that Allah only has 99 names. And that is incorrect to believe. Allah has more than 99 names. The hadith mentions if you memorize and learn and practice what you learn from 99 names of Allah, you'll enter paradise. It doesn't indicate that Allah only has 99 names. And the example the scholars give to highlight that is, if a person came to you and he said, I have 100 pounds here. I have gathered this money to give in charity to your organization. Does this mean that the person who came with this 100 pounds, and he said to you, this is all I've got, 100 pounds to give you in charity. Is that all he's got in terms of his whole life? That's it. Or has he got other money possibly as well? So when he comes and says to you, I've got 100 pounds to give in charity, that's all I've got to give in charity. That means for the purposes of charity, he's got 100 pounds. But for his other purposes and whatever else he's got, who knows how much he has. So when he comes and tells you, I've got this hundred pounds to give in charity, that doesn't mean, and you don't understand from that, that this is the whole money he has in the world. He has other money, but right now he has this much to give you in charity. So the same in the hadith, Allah says, whoever learns and memorizes and practices upon, 99 names will enter paradise. That doesn't mean that there are only 99, but whoever can learn and memorize 99, the hadith says you'll enter paradise. What is the proof that there are definitely more than 99? There are narrations in the sunnah. One of them is regarding the day of judgment and the intercession that will occur on the day of judgment. On the day of judgment, the Prophet wasallam. When he makes the intercession, the shafa'ah, on the day of judgment, it is mentioned that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he falls into prostration. sajidan amam al In front of the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then it is said to him, irfa' ra'sak. Raise your head. Sal tu'atah. Ask and you will be given. Ishfa' to Ask for the intercession. You will be given the intercession. 
At that time, the Prophet says, فَيُفْتَحُ عَلَيَّ بِمَحَامِدْ لَمْ أَكُنْ أَعْرِفْهَا مِنْ قَبْلِ That I will be made aware of praise that I was not aware of prior to that. More praise that he was not aware of prior to that. What is this additional praise that he will be made aware of? Names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Praise for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we were not aware of prior to that. So this indicates that there are more names that we do not know yet. There is another narration. The hadith which mentions the dua that a person is supposed to read if he experiences grief, sadness, sorrow. In that narration, in that dua, it mentions that you say, أَسْأَلُكَ بِكُلِّ اسْمٍ هُوَ لَكَ I ask you by every name that is for you. And as the narration goes on, explaining the various, the ones you have revealed, etc. to creation, it then comes to one part, and it mentions, وَبِمَا اسْتَأْثَرْتَ بِهِ فِي عِلْمِ الْغَيْبِ عِنْدَكَ اسْتَأْثَرْتَ بِهِ فِي عِلْمِ الْغَيْبِ عِنْدَكَ You have kept some of this knowledge hidden in the knowledge of the unseen with yourself. What knowledge? Of the names of Allah. So the Prophet ﷺ affirms in that hadith that there are names that Allah has kept in the knowledge of the unseen yet. We do not even know of some of these names yet. So that indicates again that there are more than 99. There are names yet that we are unaware of. And as for the fact that we only know of 99, then that, as some scholars say, is incorrect too. They say we actually know more than 99. Some scholars throughout history, when they researched into the Qur'an, into the Sunnah, they actually discovered more than 99 names already. Some of them found 130 odd, 120 odd, 110 odd. More than 99 were already discovered as Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned. So the names of Allah are not restricted. There is a hadith which says that indeed the names of Allah are 99. Whoever memorizes them, uh, practices them, enters paradise. And they are, and it lists out 99 names in that version. However, that version, which starts in the same way, indeed Allah has 99 names and whoever memorizes them enters paradise. And they are, and then it lists out the 99 names, that version is not authentic. That version of the hadith is not authentic. The authentic version only stops at the beginning. Indeed Allah has 99 names, whoever enumerates them, practices them, learns them, will enter into paradise. So this indicates therefore that the names of Allah are not restricted to 99, and that there are certainly more than that. And some of the scholars have even mentioned that they found more than that already anyway in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Then what we also need to mention regarding the names and attributes of Allah is how do we understand them and how do we uh, perceive them and what do we have as our aqidah regarding them. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned four things. 
that you must bear in mind four things when it comes to the names and attributes of Allah. That we believe, this is before the four things, the introduction to it, we believe and affirm, accept and affirm, all of the names that Allah described Himself with. We describe Allah with what He described Himself with. And what the Prophet ﷺ described Allah with. And we negate, we negate and we leave off that which Allah negated from Himself. And what the Prophet ﷺ negated from Allah. So what Allah affirmed for Himself, and what the Messenger affirmed for Allah, we affirm. And what Allah negated from Himself, negated from Himself, or the Prophet negated from Allah, we negate. Like Ayatul Kursi where it says, لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم Sleep and slumber does not overtake Allah. It has been negated. These characteristics have been negated. Sleep and slumber does not overcome Allah. So we negate those characteristics. Sleep and slumber does not overcome Allah. Whatever Allah negates from Himself, we negate. Sleep does not overcome Allah. So we similarly say, sleep does not overcome Allah. We negate what Allah negated. And we negate what the Prophet ﷺ negated from Allah. That's very clear. We will affirm what Allah has affirmed for Himself, and what the Messenger ﷺ has affirmed for Allah. And we will negate what Allah has negated from Himself, and what the Prophet ﷺ has negated from Allah. Then we will bear in mind four things with regards to the names and attributes of Allah. And that is, as Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned, that we will believe in the names and attributes of Allah without <coughs> falling into four errors. Because the people of innovation, they fell into generally four errors with regards to their aqidah in the names and attributes. The first error that we will not fall into and we must avoid, is the error of what? The error of... Exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Resembling them to the creation. That's one. First one you could say is tahrif. Tahrif or ta'atil you could see as the first one. We'll go with tahrif. Tahrif is what? Tahrif is distortion and alteration. Distortion and alteration of the names and attributes of Allah from their intended original meaning. So we will not change the names of Allah, distort the names of Allah and the attributes of Allah, alter the names of Allah and change the attributes of Allah. We will not do that. We will affirm them as they have been mentioned. We will not attempt to 
misinterpret and distort and change and alter their meanings. Tahrif, tahrif, it means uh, deviation away from the upright way. So we will not deviate away and alter and change and remove their meanings to another meaning. We will affirm them as they are. The people of innovation, they did do tahrif. They altered the meanings of the names and attributes of Allah. So for example, istawa al-istiwa. When Allah mentions, thumma istawa ala al-arsh. That Allah made the istiwa, rose above and was established above the throne. They say, it's not istawa, it is istawla. Changed it from istawa to istawla. They added that lam into it. And that changes the meaning of it altogether. Into the meaning of conquered and overcame. Rather than ascension and being above the throne. So they changed the word istawa to the meaning of istawla. Made that distortion in the word to change the meaning of it. And therefore change the aqidah, the correct aqidah. Another example is. Where Allah mentioned in the Quran that he spoke to Musa alayhi salam. Allah. Musa taklima. Allah spoke to Musa in reality of speech. Allah spoke to Musa. Musa. What do they do? They say, Wakallamallaha Musa. The ayah in the Quran it says, Wakallamallahu Musa. They make tahrif. And they say, Wakallamallaha Musa. What is the difference between the two ayat? Shaykh will tell us. What does it mean? Wakallamallahu Musa. In English, how do you say it? Wakallamallahu Musa. But in English, what do you say? وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى How do you say that in English? Allah spoke to Musa. Huh? Allah spoke to Musa. وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ مُوسَى Moses, yeah. That Allah spoke to Moses. But if we say وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهَ مُوسَى Now it means Moses, Musa a.s. spoke to Allah. It's changed the speaker. By that one small change in the sound of the word in Arabic, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهُ اللَّهُ If you say Allah, you've changed the meaning altogether. The actual meaning is supposed to be Allah spoke to Musa. Allah spoke to Moses. Affirming therefore that our Lord speaks. But they want to reject that. There are some people of innovation, some people of deviation, who have not understood the correct aqidah. They want to reject the fact that our Lord speaks. So what do they do? They make the tahrif and they say, وَكَلَّمَ اللَّهَ Musa, Musa, Musa alayhi salam, Moses spoke to Allah. Not that Allah spoke to Musa. So that way they can reject the fact that Allah spoke. 
and they will affirm that Musa spoke. So that is tahrif. We do not make this type of tahrif, any type of tahrif. We do not make the tahrif. We affirm as it has been mentioned. We affirm the names and attributes as they have been mentioned and do not attempt to distort them. So the first prohibition when it comes to the names and attributes is tahrif. The second prohibition you can say is ta'atil. Ta'atil. Attala yu'attilu ta'atil. Ta'atil means negation, rejection, nullification. To basically reject altogether. So we do not reject the names and attributes of Allah. We do not ignore, negate, reject the names and attributes of Allah. Ta'atil, meaning to make them null and void. We do not make them null and void. We do not reject them. We affirm them and we accept them. So ta'atil is not to be done. The rejection of the names and attributes altogether. The third thing, third thing is what? Tabdil? Tamthil? And you could say one before Tamthil. Takyif. What's Takyif? The how. The kayfiyah. Takyif is giving a discourse Description to the names and attributes of Allah. Attempting to describe the names and attributes of Allah. It doesn't necessitate resemblance. It doesn't necessitate that you're saying Allah, His attributes are like the attributes of creation or the like attributes of mine or His. It doesn't necessitate that you're making a comparison or Resemblance, like in a simile, his attributes are like this or they are like that, and you're comparing to something in creation. It is just a description that you are giving. And a description that you give doesn't necessarily have to resemble. So I could say, for example, uh, that man's hand, its width and its length, is exactly the same. His hand, its width and its length is exactly the same. That's a description. You've now understood a particular type of description for this hand that I'm describing. That the length of it is the same as the width of it. Whereas some people, their hands may be long and they are not wide. Or some people, their hands may be short and stocky and wide. I've given you a description that the length of this particular hand that I'm talking about of some guy... The length of it is the same as the width of it. That is a description. But I haven't necessarily compared and said, the hand of that guy is actually just like my hand. Or it's just like his hand. That would be a direct resemblance and comparison. I'm just giving a description. It is, the length is like the width. Or this is the same as that. And that is the same as this. So you are picturing some type of description. 
And it doesn't necessarily have to be something in resemblance Because you could make it up You could make up some description I could say to you this person he has a hand uh, Which is 70 centimeters long And it has 9 fingers on it And he doesn't have any bones in them Is that something in reality? It's not, but it's a description I can talk to you like that and you can start imagining what this could look like So I'm giving you a description But not necessarily resembling anything in creation Not necessarily, it could be, but not necessarily So takyif is to give descriptions To try to describe what Allah looks like To try to describe what the names and attributes look like And we don't try and do that We do not try and do that Because Allah has not given us the knowledge of that and that brings us on to the fourth point, which is tamthil. And it is better to say tamthil and not say tashbih. Tashbih and tamthil, very similar. But in the Quran, tamthil it says. Laysa kamithlihi shay. So tamthil is to make resemblance and comparison. To say Allah's attributes are like my attributes. The sifat of Allah are like the sifat al-khalq. The attributes of Allah are like the attributes of creation. That is direct resemblance and comparison and similarity, and that is impermissible. We cannot compare Allah to ourselves. These final two points, regarding the fact that we cannot attempt to describe the names and attributes of Allah, we cannot attempt to make resemblances between the names and attributes of Allah and creation. Why? And how is that to be understood? The scholars, they give an easy example. And we've mentioned this before in the past in olden studies that we did previously in some of the books. They mention that to be able to describe something, you can do it in one of three possible ways. Either you see that thing with your own eyes. So you can describe it. You've seen it yourself, you can describe it. Or, if you haven't seen it, you ask someone else, reliable, trustworthy, who's seen it, they can describe it to you, and then you've got a picture in your mind, and you can describe it. You haven't seen it yourself, but you get some reliable, trustworthy information of somebody who has, he describes it to you, you've now understood it, you can describe it. But if nobody has seen it, you can't get the information of anybody else either. There's only one possible way left. And that is if you have some other authenticated information available to you from some brochure or magazine or some booklet that comes with that item. Let's say you're talking about some gadget. You're talking about this microphone. You've seen it yourself. You can describe it now. If you can't see it yourself, you're sat at the back somewhere, you can't see it. You could ask somebody who sat on the front row, they could describe this mic to you, and then you'd be able to explain it. It's on a tripod, it's black, it's got the big muff at the front. You can describe all of that then, because the person sat at the front has seen it, he has then relayed that information to you, so you can describe it. But what if nobody has seen the mic? None of you have seen it. What is the only way you could describe it then? If you had, for example, a brochure, that goes with this particular mic. You had a booklet that goes with it. Nobody's seen the actual mic. But you have some information booklet that goes with this mic. You can read that information booklet. It can tell you it's 
20 centimeters high. It's a tripod. It's got silver parts to it. Describes it all. So now from that brochure, booklet, that goes with the mic, you can read the description and understand what it is. With regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is possibility one a possibility at all or not? That we ourselves have seen Allah to describe Him. It is not. The second, that we can go to somebody else, reliable, who has seen Allah, they can tell us and we can describe Him then. That isn't possible. So what's the only way we can describe Allah and talk about Allah from some reliable source of information that has come to us? And that is the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So whatever is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, that's all we can say. Just like if nobody had seen this mic, and the only thing you had was the brochure, the only thing you'd be able to say about this mic is what you found written down in the brochure. If it said in the booklet it's black with silver parts, you would have to believe in your mind and picture that it's black with silver parts. You wouldn't start to picture that it's actually blue or yellow. If it says in the booklet it's black with silver parts, that's what you're going to picture. That's what you have to believe. Tells you in the book it's 100 pounds, that's what you believe. You now take in that information from that reliable source about the mic. Now when we're talking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we can only take the reliable information that's in the Quran and the Sunnah. Whatever is in there, we have to accept. Whatever is not, we cannot add ourselves. Just like in the booklet of the mic. If it didn't tell you in there anywhere, it didn't mention anywhere, that you get the free batteries to go with it. That's not mentioned in the book anywhere. Doesn't tell you the batteries come free with it. Can you now say 100% definitely to give the batteries with it? Doesn't say in the booklet. And you haven't got it there to look at it to see if the batteries are in there with the packaging or not. So you can only go by what the booklet says. The booklet doesn't mention anything about batteries and if they're going to be there or not. So you can't affirm that. You can't affirm not definitely they're going to be there. Doesn't say it in the booklet. Same with the names and attributes of Allah. Anything which isn't mentioned in there, then we can't assume and affirm things from our own minds. We can't add on anything and assume anything which isn't there. Because we don't know any other way. That is all we know, the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So, from that example it becomes clear that the only way we can describe Allah is from what we find in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. And anybody who attempts to add on anything to the descriptions of the names and attributes of Allah will clearly be going into misguidance. Clear to understand. Just like a person comes along and tells you, there's nothing in the brochure about the batteries, but I'm sure they give you batteries. There's nothing in the brochure telling you you get a spare stand to go with it, but I'm sure they always give a spare stand. If somebody starts making up those details, are you going to believe them and say, yeah, it must be definitely? Or are you going to say, well, there's nothing in the booklet indicating that. If there was going to be a free stand, surely they'd put that in the promotion. Surely they would have mentioned you get a free stand with it as well. If it's not there, then how can you affirm it? So same with the names and attributes of Allah. If something is not there, how can you affirm it? You cannot. So that highlights to you the misguidance of those people who interpret things or add things from their own understanding and their own intellect, items or details that are not in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, then that cannot possibly be affirmed. That cannot possibly be acceptable. Because the only form of information that we have is the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So that becomes clear now why it is not possible to interpret and to add on and to give your own conclusions about the names and attributes of Allah.
That's why when a man came in to Al-Imam Malik, and he said to Al-Imam Malik, what did he say to him? About the istiwa. When Allah mentioned about the istiwa, that Allah rises above the throne, the man said, what? How? The man asked him, how? How does Allah do that? What is the description? What is the, the detail? How does it happen? Have we been told how? We haven't. So it's mentioned in some of the narrations how Imam Malik became extremely angered by this man. And it's mentioned in some of the narrations that he became so angered that his face went red and some sweat started to come from his anger at this. And he said, expel this individual from here. Because that is now going into realms that we have not been taught. وَمَا أُوتِيتُمْ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا You have not been given from knowledge except a small amount. So we cannot attempt to assume or to interpret or to add anything from our own intellects onto that which has been mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Anybody who attempts to do that and says, no, when Allah talks about these names and attributes, it must mean this or that. Is that acceptable? It is not. If the brochure tells you it's a tripod stand, somebody comes along and says, no, no, when they say tripod stand, it must mean one of those ones that actually has four legs to it. Are you going to believe that? You cannot. So now when anybody comes along and distorts the names and attributes of Allah and says, the hand of Allah isn't actually a hand, it just means power. It just means power. How can you accept that? You cannot. Where is there proof from the Quran and the Sunnah for it? There is not. It is their mind, their interpretation. So therefore, it's very easy to understand. We can only affirm what is in the Quran and the Sunnah as it is. Anything more than that, then say to that person back to the three things. Where have you got this addition from? Have you seen Allah? Have you asked somebody else who has seen Allah? Neither of those. So the only thing you've got is the Quran and the Sunnah. In the Quran and the Sunnah, it doesn't give this additional interpretation you've just given. So where have you got it from then? Very clear in the conversation. So we affirm what is in the Quran, what Allah affirmed for Himself, and we affirm what the Prophet ﷺ affirmed in the Sunnah, and we negate what Allah negated from Himself, and what the Prophet ﷺ negated in the Sunnah. The people of deviation. They went into two main camps of deviation. Two main camps of deviation. One camp of deviation was the Mu'attila. And one camp of deviation was the Mushabbiha. The Mu'attila, they were a group of people who said, basically, that they rejected the names and attributes of Allah. Why? The basis of their rejection actually began upon a correct principle. And this is the way of the people of deviation. They may start with something correct, but they exaggerate and go to extremes until they go outside of the correct principle into unknown principles and false principles. So they began with something which is actually correct. They said, it is not permissible to resemble Allah to creation. Correct or not? <coughs> correct. You cannot compare Allah to creation. Correct. So they said, how can we make sure that we definitely don't resemble Allah to creation. 
They said the safest way would be to just reject the names and attributes. Because if we start saying Allah has a hand, well, we've got hands. If we start saying Allah has eyes, well, we've got eyes. It's a danger. We might end up comparing Allah to us. So the safest way is, we'll just reject it. It can't be. These names and attributes will reject them. To be safe, that way, definitely not comparing Allah to creation. Because if we start affirming them, Allah has a hand, Allah has eyes, we're starting to get very dangerous now and comparing maybe Allah to creation. So they said, we'll stay safe and just reject them all, and that way we won't be comparing Allah to creation. Clearly it's false. They've exaggerated upon that principle of not comparing Allah to creation to the level that in their minds they have interpreted it as we need to just reject them all to be safe. And that is incorrect because we've been told to affirm them. We've been told to uh, accept them. So they went to an exaggeration and ended up rejecting them. On the other side, the Mushabbiha, they again started with a correct principle to begin with. They said, we must affirm the names and attributes of Allah. True or false? True. We must affirm the names and attributes of Allah. But then they took the point of affirmation to such an exaggeration that in the end they began to compare Allah to creation. They said, Allah says He has hands. Allah says He has eyes. Those hands and eyes, they must be something we can understand and comprehend. So that can only be the types of hands and eyes we have in creation. So it's got to be like that. So they ended up affirming and affirming and affirming to such a degree and exaggeration that in the end they began to compare Allah to creation. Mushabbiha, those who resemble Allah to creation. So you can see both sides began on a level where it was correct. This side said you can't compare Allah to creation. Correct. Took it to such a level though, they rejected the names and attributes altogether. The other side said, we have to affirm the names and attributes. Correct. They took it to such a level and exaggeration that in the end, they began to compare the names and attributes of Allah to creation. Ahlul Sunnah. What do we say? Always the balanced path between the people of innovation and deviation. We say, yes, you must not compare Allah to creation. And yes, you must affirm the names and attributes. So when you bring that together, very simply, we affirm the names and attributes of Allah, but we do not compare and resemble them to creation. There is nothing like unto Allah. So we're not comparing Him to creation in any way. Allah has told us there's nothing comparable to Him. But then Allah has told us He is the all-hearing and the all-seeing. So he is affirming the names and attributes. So all of that together, we're being told not to compare, but we're being told to affirm. That ayah is the building block, the foundation of understanding the tawheed of the names and attributes of Allah. That ayah. That is the foundational pillar for this tawheed of understanding the names and attributes of Allah. That Allah rejected any comparison, but affirmed that we must accept and believe and affirm in the names and attributes. So very simply, we affirm what Allah affirmed for Himself, and what the Prophet ﷺ affirmed for Allah, and we reject what Allah rejected from Himself, and the Prophet ﷺ rejected from Allah. And we do that without any distortion or alteration of them, without rejection of them, without giving descriptions, without making resemblances. 
So we say Allah has a hand, but His hand is not like the hand of creation. Allah has eyes, but His eyes are not like the eyes of creation. We do not compare Allah to creation. And there's an example that Shaykh Al-Athaymeen rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned to highlight how the comparison does not arise. When using words, words can have multiple meanings for the same word. So when you use the word leg, the word leg, how do you describe a leg? Somebody describe a leg. You're right. You have a table leg. You have a leg of lamb. You have a giraffe's leg. You have an elephant's leg. You have a spider's leg. Which leg? If I said to you now, a leg looks like a lamp post. True or false? True. What does a giraffe's leg look like? Size of a lamp post almost. If I said to you, a leg looks like a tree trunk. True or false? True. Elephant, rhinos, hippos, the legs are the size of tree trunks. True. If I said to you, a leg is only the size of my nail. True. Spiders and insects, their legs are like that. All of these different descriptions, completely different to each other. Size of a lamppost, the size of a tree trunk, the size of a fingernail. All of them completely different descriptions, but they are all legs. So the same word is used, but is there any comparison? Is there any comparison between the words and the realities? Hence, when we use these words for the names and attributes of Allah, the words, yes, we understand them. We understand what these words are. But we are not making any comparison or imagining any comparison because even in creation, even in creation you can have that word leg and so many different meanings for it. So what about... What do you think is going to be the difference between creation and the creator? If in creation, the same word can be so different in creation, then what about between creation and the creator? So even though the words may be the same, there is no resemblance and comparison or imagination of comparison. That, in the proverbial nutshell, is an understanding of some of the overall principles of the names and attributes of Allah. They are some of the basic principles regarding the names and attributes of Allah. That's where we'll leave it today, to revise and contemplate and reflect over those principles and learn them. And next week now, you'll be prepared to understand the chapter in Kitab al-Tawheed regarding these names and attributes, and those who reject them. So that's what we'll go on to then, from this next week to discuss the chapter regarding the names and attributes and those who reject them and how that is linked into Tawheed. Now that you have an understanding of what the names and attributes are and the principles regarding the names and attributes. So inshallah we'll carry on with that next week at 8 p.m.